I heard you had a pretty wild week. You heard correct. Tell me about it. <laughs> so, Saturday, Sunday, I went camping with Zeth and his family. Okay. Which includes his mother, uh-huh. his mother's husband, and his younger brother. Okay. And we, minus her husband, went walking on the jetty. And then we saw a guy on the beach and he was getting ready to go surfing. And we were like, what a dickhead. It's cold <laughs> out. <laughs> it's cold. Nobody surfs the Oregon coast. That's exactly. Some people do, but. Okay. But then all of a sudden, he points into the water and was just like, holy shit, is that a shark eating a seal? And so we turned around, uh-huh. looked into the ocean, and lo and behold, there's a fucking shark eating a seal. Oh my god! And there was just blood all in the water. Oh no! And it was wild. Once in a lifetime. And holy shit! And I have a little bit of it on video, uh-huh. mostly the tail end, uh-huh. including the tail end the of shark. the shark. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and because midway through the guy was like you get this on video and i was like video i was just taking video <laughs> this is wild but i was just like in shock the whole time oh my so gosh that was a wild start to my coming yeah. week tuesday was kiana day yeah oh yeah and you, i noticed you didn't give me a hundred dollars sorry I'm so sorry. i just it's okay because it was the first kiana day and i understand it's new but next yeah. year you will have to compensate and give me two hundred dollars <laughs> Each. Each? <laughs> yeah. The fuck is that? <laughs> That's Kiana Day. <laughs> so. <laughs> but also to celebrate Kiana Day, I decided that, oh, Seth also took me out, which was very nice. I didn't know. Yeah. We went and got sushi, and then he bought me an apron. Fun. And it's a customized apron, and it has up to five people's faces on it. Okay. And so you can guess... Well, okay, it's not all of One Direction, just to be clear. It's just, yeah, Harry's on there. Five times. <laughs> that would have been good. <laughs> it's Harry, uh, Brad from Bon Appetit. Okay. Claire from Bon Appetit, Martha Stewart, and Samin. <gasps> Lovely. So it's, it's all the people who inspire me to be a better chef. Oh, I love that. Including Harry Styles. Including Harry Styles. <laughs> You just want to cook him up some goofu, girl. Yeah, he just inspires me to be better. I can't. <laughs> um, speaking speaking of white boys with long hair, yes. even though Harry doesn't have long hair anymore. Okay. Hosier is coming into town. Yes. And so on Kiana Day, I was like, I'm going to buy my ticket. And then nobody wanted to go with me, so I decided to go solo. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I've never been to a concert by myself. This is my second concert going by myself. Uh-huh. And I had ground floor tickets both times. Okay. And the first time I first time I went alone, I was like, you know, if I ever go to a concert alone again, I'm not going to go on the ground because it's a little awkward to just stand there by yourself. <laughs> Fair. And then, but that was years ago. And so... When I was buying the Hosier ticket, I was like, ground floor, of course. Fuck it. It's a cheap ticket. Let's do this. Yeah. Cheap. Yeah. It was. Um, so, went to Hosier, was inebriated, mm-hmm. and just let the music take me. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. And I took notes on after. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, I did not take these during the concert because that would have been really awkward. Just a girl standing by herself and every once in a while looking down at her phone because it was dark. <laughs> so yes. I would have been lighting up the room. So I took notes on the train afterwards. Okay, let's hear these notes. I'm very excited. <laughs> I know what red and blue sound like. Been there. <laughs> Backlighting, spots light, spotlights, front lighting, highlighting, low lighting, flashing, off, 
all the lights and none of the lights. Beautiful. I saw salvation. <laughs> His production team, A+. Plus. Yeah? Nice. Um, Hosier was inside of my bones to my very marrow. Oh. I was a bowl, and Hosier filled me with the Holy Spirit and the devil all at once. Yum. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I was a sound wave, and he was harmonizing with me. At one point, I was Hosier. <laughs> He looks like a professor, but his students are trees and shrubbery, and he's an English liter- literature professor of plants. <laughs> he was wearing, like, a tan blazer. Okay. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, nature's first green is gold, which is just a line from a poem. <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> but that's, he makes me think about poetry. He loves autumn. His voice is autumn. He tweeted about autumn, and he said that Portland kicked off his autumn. Wow. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) He was just, he kept bringing it up. Okay. And it was very endearing. I like that. Uh, With my eyes closed, I felt like I was drowning in feeling, and it felt like I was still, but also vibrating and drowning. That's a lot. I'm drowning twice in that (laughs) sentence. Uh, He ad-libbed Nina Cried Power, which was fantastic. Yeah. Also in the background, he had a little bit, that song is about being like an activist. Okay. So he had a lot of like powerful images behind him. Oh, I like that. Um, and engaged all my senses at all times. And one of his back backup singers looked like Leslie Mann. What did he taste like? What did he taste like? Yeah, you said all the senses. I don't know. Like my <laughs> own sweat? <laughs> Just <laughs> Something salty. Salty and very natural. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hmm. Well, shit. That sounds And like raspberries. 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 Ra- raspberries. <laughs> Oh, nice. <laughs> Solid. Yeah. I like it. I like it. was it. so good. That sounds like a hell of a time. It was amazing. And I like it. Yeah. And then I did some self-evaluating because I was like, why does Harry and Hosier make me feel this way? Because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, maybe I'm just really attracted to H names because my last name is Henry and I low-key okay. love myself. Yeah. So this is just a way of, you know, <laughs> self-love. <laughs> and then I was like, no, nah, they're just both pasty white boys that are tall with dark hair uh-huh and then i was like my boyfriend's death <laughs> i did have a type it all adds up oh my god you want to know something funny mm-hmm. that's danny's type too yeah she loves them pasty pasty and a little gangly yeah and dark hair mm-hmm. she prefers light eyes as opposed to dark eyes because it's exotic looking that's Zeth. it's it <laughs> sure is <laughs> <laughs> me and danny have a good taste <laughs> i was gonna say because that is not my taste at all um and then i looked up a picture of hosier and put it next to uh-huh. zeth and was mm-hmm. like am i wildin or are they <laughs> twins and i showed you pictures yeah. of both of them yeah yeah and zeth just looks like a younger hosier he does with with shorter hair yeah and so and a beard. Well, I Hose, no, has, Hose, yeah, he has a beard. It's just not as rugged. Yeah. As Zeth's. Last time I saw Zeth, he was a little rugged. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he just grows his hair out. Boom. Yeah, your own exactly. I asked I asked him if he wanted to, and he said no. So. <laughs> Anyways, there's trouble in the relationship Zeth now. The man bun. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound bad to me. Uh, but yeah. So now. Zeth and I, B 
being together for a long time, I can look forward to him just slowly morphing into Hosier. Solid. Solid. Yeah. And he has a little mole on his face. Oh, Danny's does. morphing into Zeth. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> She's not at all. <laughs> Zeth, has, Zeth has a mole on his face, and he I does. always tell him that it, it makes his face couture. Oh, it does. Because <laughs> it just adds a little, like, ooh. Oh, intrigue. Yeah. <laughs> Mystery. All supermodels have... Is he a witch? We don't know. Ooh, maybe. Uh, I do. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> you have a mole on your face. I do. I'm sorry about my... My sister, my Brittany, has, Brittany has a mole on her. Has yeah. one here and here. Oh, yeah, she does. And I think it just really... I think moles on people's faces just add to, like, uh huh the, the genesis. It's very, it's very Cindy Crawford. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. Um... So yeah, me and Zeth, Zeth Mole and Zeth are gonna go live in the forest later in Girl life, together. so that he can just play play act as Hosier, and he can, you know, worship my grandma's bush <laughs> and read poetry to it. Robert Frost, nature's first green is gold, to he my just, grandma's bush. He just whispered, "Your green is gold." <laughs> Just, just right into your bush. <laughs> My sister listens to this. <laughs> I, I'm Hi, un- Brittany. I'm uncomfortable. She doesn't need to know about whether or not I have a bush or not. <laughs> Fair. Fair. <laughs> Nobody actually needs to know. <laughs> so, you know, maybe just uh, cut that <laughs> I like a little mystery about myself. <laughs> Well, in all fairness, you didn't answer. So, you know what? We're just it's true. We're just going to roll with it. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to That Broad's Got Moxie. <laughs> My name is Kiana. That's Kiana. I'm Cassie. Mm-hmm. Danny's here. Yes. Got her headphones on. Yes. How many sweatshirts do you have on? One. Just one. Just okay. One. I am comfortable in here. It is. It's- it's a good temp. It is a good temperature. Danny's freezing naturally. Yeah. Well, it is cold in here, but we sweat while we record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Due to that, you know, anxiety. <laughs> and general warmth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, I should be hot. <laughs> well, my anxiety prevent, presents itself in different ways. And when I'm anxious, I just sweat and heat up. Yeah. Uh, it's bad. Yeah. It also doesn't help that we're sitting, like, folded into little balls on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of things touching other things. Yeah. A lot of... A lot of c- cuddling yourself. <laughs> I couldn't exactly. think of the word. <laughs> that works. Okay. So it's episode 39. Correct. Correct? Okay. Correct. 39. So you go first. I sure do. Woo! So... Who are you doing? So, I'm going to just tell you how I picked today's topic. Okay. So, as you know, I saw Hosier. We just talked about it. Sure did. Fantastic. And it made me think about the forest and wood nymphs. Okay. Because that's Hosier's aesthetic. Uh-huh. And spirit and everything. <laughs> so, uh-huh. I googled wood nymphs. <laughs> Hosier's a wood nymph? What? Well, probably. He probably knows a few. <laughs> at the very least. Okay. <laughs> so I googled wood nymphs, but then I was like, oh, hold on a second. It's still October. So then I googled scary wood nymphs. Okay. And then this came up. <laughs> so Perfect. I decided to do it. And today I'm going to talk to you about the Samodiva. 
Samodiva. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Samodiva, or Samodivi, which is plural, are creatures found in Bulgarian and sometimes other Balkan folklore. Earliest written evidence of the Samodivas dates back to the 13th century, where, mm. as I said, they developed from Bulgarian and Balkan traditions and myth- myths. However, some researchers also think that it has been influenced by Slavic folklore. Okay. It's very, like, Baba Yaga. Uh-huh. But not. Oh, I like it. I like where we're going already. <laughs> <laughs> the words Samodiva and Samovilla, which is just another mm-hmm. thing that they're called, um, have Indo-European roots and can be formed by combine- combining two separate words, Samo and Diva. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, really? This is it's a weird place to add here. <laughs> to add a dramatic pause, but I did it. <laughs> Samo means alone, mm-hmm. while Diva means wild or divine, which oh. I think is great. Slowly. Um, hence, the name literally means wild alone. And their names are pretty fitting for the beings themselves because, you know, they're alone and separate from human beings, but they also live in the forest and hang out in the wild. So, you know, Mm -hmm. wild, alone. Makes sense. You get it. Very fitting. Very on brand for them. Yeah. (laughs) Let's let's, let's, let's get it going. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, there are a few suspected ways that these wood nymphs came into being. First, some stories suggest that they are the daughters of Bendis, a Thracian goddess of the moon and hunt. Okay. Am I pronouncing Thracian right? I don't know. It sounds right. Yeah. I'll believe it. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> everybody <laughs> Everybody, just take my word for this. Um, and Bendis is essentially just their version of the Greek goddess Artemis. Uh-huh. Uh, second, others claim that the Samodiva are the children of Iyama, which is an evil dragon-like creature in Bulgarian folklore. So they could be part dragon. I just got to mention real quick. It sounds like you didn't do research, but you just picked up a Game of Thrones. And you were like, George R.R. R. Martin knows what the fuck he's talking about. I'm actually just reading an excerpt from exactly. the book. <laughs> They're actually the children of the forest. That's all they are. Um, no, you're wrong. Anyways, <laughs> other people think that they are the spirits of wicked women stuck between heaven and hell. Oh. So like a little purgatory thing. Okay. Or they think they're girls who died as virgins and I don't know why they're not allowed into the afterlife <laughs> or something, but now Shit. they're- okay. Now they're Samodivas. Now they're little wood nymphs. Exactly. So as I mentioned earlier, um, <laughs> she's a wood nymph that's probably friends with Hosier. Uh, <laughs> They are described as ethereal, beautiful, and eternally young. Okay. So they have their hair that is blonde and long, and a waist that is thin and petite, and an ass that just won't quit. <laughs> <laughs> and her eyes are said to bewitch, dazzle, and or kill. Oh. Um, and in some cases, they have wings, but that's a few and far between okay. depiction of them. They are typically dressed in free-flowing feathered white gowns, which gives them the dresses give them their powers. Really? Um, yeah. Okay. Which makes sense, I guess. But then, what makes them nymphs without the dress on? Naked. Yeah, I know. But they're <laughs> <laughs> are they human? Or are they? Yeah, yeah. No, that's okay. That's it, interesting. It just it puts some things into question. Hmm. Um, around their waist, they have a rainbow-colored or sometimes green belt. 
Okay. And on their head, they usually wear a wreath of flowers. And I said... Sounds like what I wear on a Saturday night. (laughs) I I said, honestly, they look like every white blonde girl in the Midsummer movie. (laughs) Oh, that sounds accurate. I haven't seen that movie, but the previews... Yeah, you just need to see the previews to know what I'm talking about. Exactly. Okay. So that's what I like to imagine they Mm -hmm. are. And they're a little bit wicked like the Midsummer movie... It's not a spoiler because it's a scary movie, so you got to expect something. Yeah. Happen. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not going to say what's going to happen. Okay. Go see the movie. It was actually really good. Will do. Um, <laughs> being a kind of wood nymph, it's not surprising that the Samodivas are wood dwellers. Uh, they live in mountainous forest areas, and their favorite haunts include the Pyrian, Fitosha, Rela, and Sarta Planinia Mountains. Sure. I said that with confidence. Yeah, but you did. As we know. <laughs> Probably, Probably wrong. wrong. <laughs> uh, traditionally, though, the Pyrian area is the place that they are, like, most commonly cited. Okay. Uh, according to the folklore, they can live inside trees or in abandoned shacks or dark caves, typically near rivers and ponds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they in- Yeah, they're thirsty bitches. <laughs> <laughs> they enter the human world during the spring, staying until autumn. So, spring to... Mm-hmm. You know, they hibernate like bears. Yeah. No. Yes. Anyways, what they do during the winter is not sleep. So I said oh, they don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they vacation in the mythical village of Zamachikova. <laughs> They're snowbirds, so they go to yeah. Arizona. Gotcha. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and the chances of seeing them when they're there are very slim. And for those of you who don't know Bulgarian folklore. Come on, guys. Common knowledge. Mm -hmm. Uh, The village of Zamikovo. Is that what I said earlier? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like a new word. I haven't heard this one. Anyways, the thing that I said earlier that starts with a Z Mm -hmm. is located on the edge of the world and is home to many mythical creatures. Oh, very interesting. Yes. So they kind of hibernate, but they don't sleep. They just party with other mythical creatures. Look, I'm into that. Yeah. We saw Maleficent last night. <laughs> uh, lots of, lots of really fun, interesting, like, fae creatures. Ooh, that's cool. From, from the Moors. And it was just like, this is stunning. <laughs> <laughs> I want to live there too. <laughs> but we can't. Mm. Because we're humans. Yeah. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when the Samodiva are on the mortal plane, aka Earth, mm-hmm. they are only active at night and disappear immediately when the sun comes out. Oh. Because they fear it. Really? They're, yes. Which That's is surprising. Yeah, you would think like people who wear flower crowns like the sun. <laughs> right? Like they would <laughs> just be like prancing about in, in a, you know, in a sun covered, yeah. you know, like meadow or some yeah. shit. Yeah not the case but they don't like that they like vampires they like dark wood oh <laughs> uh in the nighttime these lovely ladies enjoy riding on deer and use twisted snakes as reins okay it's a fun visual mm-hmm. they are extremely protective of their mounts so the deers um and will cast a spell on anyone who kill their deer even if it was an accident so oh. just don't kill deers when you're around the period woods fair enough uh, they aren't particularly nice creatures and are, in fact, p- pretty hostile, which, <laughs> which is what makes them scary, wouldn't it? 
They have the power to bring drought, burn a farmer's crops, or to make cattle die of high fever. Oh, shit. Men who gaze upon the Samodiva fall instantly in love. And sometimes, when they feel like it, the Samodiva will seduce a man and take him as a lover. Sounds kind of nice, right? (laughs) Wrong. Those are scary wooden imps. Yeah, don't fuck with them. In taking this man as her lover, she also takes all of his life energy making him unable to think of anything else besides her. Oh, shit. The Samodiva, fueled by the energy stolen from the man, uh-huh. will then proceed to torture the man until he dies of exhaustion. Oh, shit. It's like a succubus. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, if a woman were to gaze upon a Samodiva, mm-hmm. she would just die instantly. Oh. Because we can't take the sight of their beauty. Oh, God. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Um, in Bulgarian folklore, the close connections that the Samodiva have with the forest also make them really knowledgeable about the plants, mm-hmm. and so, like, magical herbs and cures for illnesses and stuff. Mm. So, they're said to have that knowledge, but they won't share it, uh-huh. which I guess makes them evil. I, th- <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, but you can eavesdrop on them and learn what to do that way So don't look at them but like casually listen to them from behind a tree so if you're hanging out in the woods at night Mm -hmm. and you hear people talking about medicinal plants don't try to look at them just eavesdrop take notes yeah exactly fair um in in fact in a lot of stories that's what the hero has to do oh okay to like save a loved one or whatever Mm -hmm. that's interesting Um, it's said that when angered, they can change their appearance and turn into a monstrous bird capable of throwing fire at her enemies. Oh, shit. This, with the power of their seductive voices, makes them similar to, like, harpies in Greek mythology. Um, and so they could probably be, like, the same thing. Oh, just, like, a variation. Yeah. Of, of the harpy myth. Okay. Which I thought. I like that. That's interesting. Harpies are cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Samodivas are not only creatures of the forest, but they also are creatures of habit. Okay. I don't know why. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't a good line. <laughs> so is Danny. What are you going to do? <laughs> Creature of habit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and let me tell you how their night goes, because it's the same. Okay. So, at twilight, Samo- the Samodivas go to freshwater sources, strip naked... And wash themselves in their clothes, which they lay out to dry in the moonlight. This is particularly dangerous for them because the dresses give That's them... That's where all their power comes from. Yeah. I wouldn't take that shit off ever. It, but they gotta. Be, because they're creatures be of... Dirtball is what I would be. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, this is a dangerous time for them because if a man steals... Spots them and steals their clothes which are their sources of power, they turn into a normal woman and have to now obey the man. Oh. Blah. Blah. <laughs> if they are rendered human again, they can, quote, they, quote, can marry and bear children, but they can never be good mothers or housewives. Oh, <laughs> for fuck's sake. <laughs> and they will always crave their freedom. End quote. <laughs> okay, here's... <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> Sorry. I have a question. Mm-hmm. So if somebody steals their clothes, but then they get them back, 
Oh, oh, okay. Ooh. I got the finger. Are you ready for this? <laughs> the short story? Not that finger. Yes. <laughs> that was the pause finger. Pause finger. Not the fuck you finger. <laughs> <laughs> so, in one tale, a shepherd by the name of Ivalio uh-huh. steals the clothes of a Samodiva, thus taking away her power. He then marries her, and then they have a child together three years later. And then they throw a party. Mm-hmm. And I- Ivalio's father asks the Samodiva to dance mm-hmm. because that's what they're known for. Okay. And so she dances and then he remarks that that wasn't that good. <laughs> Fuck <gasps> that guy. And she was like, oh, well, it's because I can't dance like a Samodiva without my gown. Yeah. And so the the dad was like, oh, give her that gown. I want to see some dancing. And then she got her gown back and then pieced the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, bitches. <laughs> and she just abandoned that guy and the son that she had. <laughs> But, like, honestly... Shouldn't have stole her dress in the first fucking place. Kidnapped her. He kidnapped her and then forced her into a marriage. So she had every right to leave. Yeah. Good. (laughs) You get it, girl. But that's... There's your answer. Thank you. Okay. Covered action. Good good question. (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) Oh, thanks. Um, So, back to their schedule. Mm -hmm. They've just washed. After washing themselves and their clothes, it's time to sing and dance. Because I said they're known for singing. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, beginning at midnight and finishing at dawn. That's the, that's the time. The Samodivas gather around and start singing and dancing. Uh, and their dance symbolizes the raw energy of both nature and the supernatural world. Mm. Accompanied and following only the rhythm of the wind and their own. Mm-hmm. It is believed that the Samodiva songs are the most beautiful and their dances are the most graceful. Oh, that sounds lovely. Vila Samodiva is used to describe the head Samodiva. Okay. <laughs> that leads the others in the dances. Mm-hmm. And she's usually the active participant of the contact between the protagonist of folktales and the mythical world, serving as a guide and giving heroes tasks. Okay. Interesting. Yes. If a late traveler sees the Samodiva's dance, they are enticed to join them. And then so they dance from midnight to dawn. Mm-hmm. And then when the sun appears, the nymphs disappear and then leave the traveler to die from exhaustion. That's, like, their favorite thing to do. Okay. <laughs> and then sometimes the Samodivas will kidnap shepherds so that they will play the, like, flute while they dance. Oh. But then they die at the end, so it's not nice. That's rude. <laughs> it's really mean. <laughs> uh, although the Samodiva has roots in pagan times, even today, people, especially those living in, like, remote villages, mm-hmm. still believe in the existence of them. Oh, that's fun. It's interesting to note that... With the coming of Christianity, it altered the myth a bit. So nowadays, Samodivas observe Christian holidays. <laughs> of course they do, <laughs> especially Easter. Like that's their oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's their thing. And then if you don't celebrate Easter, the Samodivas will punish you. Wow! So eat your fucking peeps. Eat your peeps. <laughs> die some goddamn eggs. Yeah, that's all. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the proper thing to do. Exactly. And lastly, although their story has been told many times over and over again, over many years, mm-hmm. the most well-known depiction of them in modern times happens to be in the Harry Potter series. Oh. Where they are simp- they're simply referred to as Vila. <gasps> That's them? Yep. <laughs> okay. So they first appear in book four of the series, Goblet of Fire. Mm-hmm. In which they accompany the Bulgarian Quidditch team to mm-hmm. the Quidditch World Cup. 
In the series, there are three part Vila people named, which includes Fleur. Uh-huh. And her younger sister and her mom. Wow. And that's why they're so pretty. Yeah, exactly. How fun. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love Harry Potter. I knew you guys I knew you guys <laughs> loved Harry Potter. So when I read it, I was like, oh, this is gonna this is gonna get this them. is going in. <laughs> they weren't they weren't into it before. Yeah, this will get him at the exactly. end. Exactly, <laughs> and Fleur's the best dancer at the Yule Ball. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that's lovely. How fun! I, I like also, that story. I also think it's fun because in some depictions they're supposed to be like maybe part dragon, mm-hmm. and then she marries the Weasley. That's the dragon. <gasps> oh yeah, dragon breeder. Holy or shit! <laughs> Look, J.K. Rowling, you are <laughs> fucking brilliant. <laughs> I don't know if she did that on purpose. I bet she did. Uh, she probably did. I'm sure. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind that she was like, how can I, how, what, what can I just insert here that somewhere down the road, somebody will read this and be like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I really like that story. Thank you. I kept saying Samo Diva. Uh-huh. And it made me think of like a Samoan Diva. <laughs> Different part of the world, though. <laughs> No coconuts. No coconuts. <laughs> Just wood nymphs and hosier. <laughs> Solid. All what right. are you talking about today? So, the woman that I'm talking about is, first of all, incredible. Hmm. And up until fairly recently, her contributions have been poo-pooed. For many, many years. Okay. Okay. So the book that I listened to, I listened to it three times. Oh. I will, I will say that. To, not only to get the information, mm-hmm. but also because the book is so good. What's the book called? <clears throat> Can I have your phone? <laughs> no, you don't know phone. the name of the book? I do know, but I want to make sure that I get the whole name. Okay. So the book is called The Lady from the Black Lagoon, Hollywood Monsters, and the Lost Legacy of Millicent Patrick. Oh. oh it's so good. It blew my mind. So the woman who wrote it uh-huh. and also who reads it, her name is Mallory O'Meara. Okay. Okay. So this book just came out this year in March. Oh, wow. I think it came out. This is fresh. It's very fresh. And she spent, I think, close to five years, five or six years from the point of, like, somebody saying, oh, she sounds really interesting. You should write a book about her, mm-hmm. to doing all of this fucking crazy amounts of research and finding people who knew her and and then writing the book and getting it published So she is also, in addition to being a fantastic author, she's also a movie producer and a writer and I think also a director. Oh, damn. So she has just been, she's been in the biz Mm -hmm. for many years, almost, probably almost a decade at this point. And so in the book, she is talking about not only... Millicent story, mm-hmm. but she's talking about things that she has dealt with in the movie industry, mm-hmm. including but not limited to 
obscene amounts of sexist, misogynistic, just bullshit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's Millicent's story and how she found all this information and her experiences as a woman. And there's a ton of statistics in there about women in movie making and their experiences. It's just, I can't, I can't tell you (laughs) how good this book is. I'm going to buy it. I've listened to it three times, Mm -hmm. but I'm also going to buy it because it just blew me away. Nice. So she did a lot of fucking work to find all this information. And like I said, I took three pages of notes, (laughs) (laughs) but there's also just a ton of stuff that I'm going to like try and get through but also interject things that I was like if I write this I'm just gonna rewrite the book you yeah. know yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> all right so I'm gonna start out name is Millicent Patrick but she was born Mildred Elizabeth Fulvia Rossi she was born on November 11th 1915 we love the Scorpio <laughs> you're in the room with two <laughs> no comment Oh, 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 I see. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. She's a Scorpio. She's going to kill me. (laughs) I I am so sick of people hating on Scorpios. We're we're misunderstood. I mean, have you ever just tried being better? (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) The Aries in me just jumped out. The look on Danny's face when you said that, if looks could kill. It was a joke. <laughs> okay. Um, so Millicent is the second of three children. She had an older brother named Ulrich and a younger sister named Ruth. Her parents were Elise, who is a San Francisco socialite. Mm-hmm. And her father, Camille, was a pretty famous structural engineer. Hmm. Okay. So, she was born in El Paso, Texas. You mean it, El Paso? Did it, what did I say? Al. El. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, yes. In El Paso, Texas. Uh, but at the age of two, Camille moved their whole family mm-hmm. to Arroyo, Peru, oh. um, to take a new job. Okay. And I think a copper mine or something like that. So, they lived there for two years. That's where her sister Ruth was born. But then the family relocated back to California. When she was six, her father was hired by this incredible woman who is someone I would love to talk about, uh, by an architect named Julia Morgan. Julia Morgan was the first licensed, quote unquote, I think that's the word that was used, Mm -hmm. architect in the United States. That was she, a woman? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You just said the so, first I'm sorry. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. I'm getting ahead of myself. But yeah. So she's a big deal. She is, yeah. She has designed over like 40 or 50 buildings that are still standing. It's wild. Hmm. So. And Mallory did that with several women in the book. Mm-hmm. It was like. Millicent was connected to this person tangentially, like, this way, and this is how incredible this woman is. So she really highlighted these other women who were doing really cool things. Yeah. um, And making great strides. Yeah. You know, really cool. Yeah. So 
Camille's hired by Julia Morgan to oversee the building of Hearst Castle. Do you know Hearst Castle is? Mm-mm. Okay, so it's in California. You know who mm. William Hearst is? I do know what it is. Yeah, he's yeah. the big, he's the big media mogul. Yeah, right. So, Hearst Castle is in California. It's this enormous, huge, huge mansion. It's got a whole big estate. There's lots of buildings. At one point, like when it was in its heyday, mm-hmm. there was like a private zoo. Jeez, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And a ranch and big sprawling gardens and a bunch of swimming pools. Like, you can go and take tours of it now. Mm -hmm. And it's, you can go on, like, four different tours all within this same estate. Wow. It's wild. That's too much. (laughs) It really is. It's obscene. Yeah. It's obscene. That's what, that's what you can do, though, when you have money literally pouring out of your ears. Yeah. So, it was, it was the, ho- like, this estate and William Hurst and his wife, Millicent, who he ended up leaving for an actress that he had a, an affair with. But anyway, <laughs> so they hosted these huge extravagant parties. Um, they showed movies. So, it, the, the, it was co- constantly, like, celebrities and royalty and um, politicians. All together. All, all the time. So for 10 years, Camille worked as the structural engineer, mm-hmm. but he's an asshole. <laughs> he did not want to take any kind of direction from a woman. Uh-huh. So oh. he eventually got fired. Good. Because he's a dick. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> super overbearing and a huge misogynist. But um, for the 10 years while he worked there, Millicent basically grew up in the shadow of this giant house. She went to a little school in this tiny village at the bottom of the hill, but would often spend time mm-hmm. at the Hearst Castle. So she's constantly surrounded by, like, this fucking wonderland yeah. of extravagance. art. Extravagance. Exactly. However, while growing up, her father was incredibly strict. He made the children wear, like, really heavy, like, austere clothing. Mm-hmm. And... They didn't really have any friends, like, outside of being at school and playing with other children. No friends over. They weren't allowed to date. Mm-hmm. Every, it was just very, like, strict and boring. And Millicent was like, I need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so after graduating from her tiny high school, Millicent followed her brother Ulrich to Glendale Junior College. And attended there for a couple years, but never graduated, and she left after after a couple years. She wanted to study art, because mm-hmm. growing up, that was her passion. Yeah. She liked to draw and paint, and she also played piano. Mm. So, she applied for three scholarships, mm-hmm. and won all three of these scholarships. To, oh, wow. I, right? To the Chouinard Art Institute. So this is, like, the second time in the book when Mallory talks about this woman named Nelbert Schoenard, who, like, <laughs> the year after women got the right to vote, mm-hmm. was like, I'm going to open my own fucking art school. <laughs> so she did. That's really cool, but her name is Nelbert. <laughs> <laughs> her name is Nellie. And then she married a man named Albert, 
Schoonard. And so she was, she hated the name Nellie. And so she, somebody teasingly called her Nelbert. Mm -hmm. And she was like, fuck it. It's Nelbert. (laughs) I'm into this. (laughs) Okay. Now I'm a fan of Nelbert. Great. Yeah. I really enjoyed all these, all these little blurbs. I was like, that's so cool. I love this. (laughs) Nelbert. So she's at the Schoonard Art Institute. (laughs) Um, for a couple years, she's taking classes and a little, oh, you know, this, this guy who's a producer comes to the school and is looking at art and approaches Millicent. Mm-hmm. The greatest art of all. The greatest art of all. <laughs> and goes, you know, I would really love for you to come work at my studio. And lo and behold, it's fucking Walt Disney. Oh, that Nazi? That Nazi. Look. <laughs> Look. <laughs> I have a lot of mixed feelings about Walt Disney. Because... Uh, look, okay. We all know that he's a Nazi, right? Yeah. But a lot of bad qualities. Mm-hmm. However, much like I like to fucking find the silver lining to everything. <laughs> I have an issue with finding a silver lining. I know you do, but it tickles me. So, um, apparently Disney Studios was one of the few places that a woman could get a job mm-hmm. and make an actual good living. And he hired an entire department mm-hmm. that was just women. Hmm. Like, Hundreds of them, mm-hmm. which I think is fucking great because it's the 1940s yeah. at this point. <laughs> and silver lining, I just think it's really impressive that there is a place like this that is mm-hmm. providing so many opportunities. But it's counterpoint, counterpoint. <laughs> what type of woman was he allowing in? Because it certainly wasn't all women. I'm sure it wasn't, but. <laughs> They're all artists. I can tell you that. <laughs> it was just a big studio full of the Samo Divas. <laughs> just- <laughs> Probably because Millicent Patrick is fucking gorgeous. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm done. Okay. Um, so he recruits her to come work at Disney Studios. So she began working in the ink and paint department, which is the department that is, it's all women. Mm-hmm. There And she goes to describe these big, beautiful rooms with huge windows, lots of light. Um, but the ink and paint is all women. And side note, they could only drink tea because I told you this last yeah. week. <laughs> um, so they could drink, like the painters mm-hmm. could drink coffee. But anyone who was an ink artist mm-hmm. and who did lines could only drink tea so they didn't get the shakes and fuck up all the lines. That's fantastic. It's so great. <laughs> and I what was a- like, oh, me too. I can't drink coffee or I feel like I'm vibrating. <laughs> I don't know. Wait, did you say I have that problem? You don't. No, I don't. You're- if I have that problem, it's because I consumed a lot. Oh, pots. Four pots of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. So she started in the ink and paint department, like I said, and then eventually moved into the animation department. 
which was mostly men, go figure, mm-hmm. but she worked as an in-betweener. So, like, they would draw the main characters and main actions, mm-hmm. and these in-betweeners would do, like, background characters. Oh, yeah. Other other things of that nature. <clears throat> um, the in-betweeners mm-hmm. is a show very in England. It is. Have you ever watched it? I've never seen it, no. But I, I when I wrote it's, that, I was like, why does that sound familiar? Yeah. Weird. When you say in-betweeners, all I can think about is the bus wankers joke. <laughs> okay. So they get a car for the free... Because the in-betweeners is like, you're not popular, but you're not... Oh, you know, okay. You're in-between. Sure. And so they got a car. And as they're driving past a bus stop, one of them just yells out the window, BUS WANKER! <laughs> <laughs> and it's... <laughs> gets them into some trouble. I like it. Because then the car has to stop, and all of a sudden the bus wankers are just right there at the window. <laughs> Look, I fucking love the Brits. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I will say, I have a hard time watching it, though, because they say the word clunge all the time in oh, reference to no. a vagina, and I hate <gasps> oh, that word. I don't like that it's at disgusting. all. disgusting. But that's why they say it, because it's funny. I prefer cunt. Yeah. Twat. Twat's a fun one. I just prefer Grandma's Bush. Fair. Fair. All right. Back to Millicent. <laughs> go, go. <laughs> Danny said that. Okay. So, when she was in the animation department, she worked on many of the uh, shorts from Fantasia. You seen Fantasia? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. There is a part, and I can't remember the music that it's set to. I forgot to look it up. But it a sh- there's a short where it's essentially just splashes of color Mm -hmm. her and another woman animated that Ooh! they were never given any credit for it because nobody was there's Mm -hmm. there the the number of animators and painters and all of these people none of them Mm -hmm. were given credits on screen for many years it wasn't until gosh like the 80s, mm-hmm. I think, early 80s, when more people started getting, like, actual credit for these things. So anyway, mm. so she, her and another woman animated that, the color animation. Yeah, that's cool. Which is very cool. But also, she got to work on the night on Bald Mountain scenes. Oh. And in fact, she got to work on Chernabog which is the name of the big giant black demon uh-huh who's on the top of that mountain in that in the coolest fucking <laughs> short in Fantasia. Yeah. My favorite first. It's definitely like gives me goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah. It's so good. I should I, it's been a while since I've watched Fantasia. So, um this is this this working on Chernabog, being an illustrator is it all is just, everything is going well mm-hmm. at this point. She also worked on Dumbo and Bambi, mm. and, which were both released after she left, but she did work on them. Mm. And she also had, like, an actual on-screen acting. I'm putting acting in air quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, in this weird movie called The Reluctant Dragon... Um, it didn't, it was, it was weird. It was like a movie about this guy walking around the Disney studios, Mm -hmm. trying to find Disney to pitch him a movie. 
but they made it into it was very just very strange it was like a behind the scenes tour kind of thing yeah but why <laughs> why does it have <laughs> why is it called reluctant dragon i don't know i haven't seen it that's such a weird yeah it's very strange but that was the first time that she was ever like on the big screen mm-hmm. and you we could see her face and how fucking gorgeous she was mm-hmm. and she was like I'm kind of into this. <laughs> Look at how gorgeous I am. I've I've lived my entire life up until she was 20 mm-hmm. in her parents' home under their very strict thumb. Mm-hmm. She was like, I'm fabulous. I'm wearing <laughs> lipstick now. I'm doing my hair. I'm wearing these gorgeous dresses that I make. Mm-hmm. And she's fucking living her life to the fullest. Mm-hmm. So she's like... Look at me. I'm fabulous. <laughs> I want to be an actress. <laughs> so in 1941, there was an animator strike across California. Mm-hmm. She didn't She didn't lead, nor was she laid off, but there was an animator strike. She was getting really bad migraines mm-hmm. from having to, like, look down into a light box while doing her work. So it was just basically a good time for her to not to to move on to a new career path mm-hmm. also she had started dating an animator that she met named paul fitzpatrick okay which was frowned upon oh okay um so they actually they both left on the same day oh that's cute which is cute do they get married they do but okay. there's some oh there, no. there's some bumps all right man so it's 1941 <laughs> she's 20 melison's 26 years old and has decided to follow her follow her dream of being an actress. She began working as a promotional model at trade shows and continued working as a freelance artist and an illustrator. Hmm. So she did little books here and there and did, you know, freelance portraits and stuff like that. During this time, she was also in the throes of her very first romantic relationship. So she's 26, first mm. relationship she's ever had problem was <laughs> Mr. Paul Fitzpatrick was married. Scandal. <laughs> it's not good. Okay. So she's dating this man. She's very much in love with him. Mm-hmm. But he's married. Mm-hmm. His wife finds out. Yeah. Contacts Millicent's father. Uh-oh. And says, you need to tell your, your hussy of a daughter to uh-huh. stop seeing my husband. Mm-hmm. And that, I'm sure all of that went super well. Uh-huh. Uh, it didn't. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it went really, really bad. Oh, no. So, not only did Millicent's father say, oh, great, my daughter's a hussy. Uh-huh. She's seeing a married man. So, he cut off the entire family's relationship with her and said, don't you, she's a black woman. Not like a black woman, but like... <laughs> Like, she's a sex worker. She's doing all these terrible things in Hollywood. We can't have any relationship with her. But then Uh also, Paul's wife killed herself. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, no. So, shit went went downhill very quickly. And it was, things just basically blew up in everyone's face. Uh Uh-huh. So, they managed to stay together through all of that turmoil it was a tragedy. It was very... Yeah. It's a very messed up situation. Yeah. So th- they, they got through that. She married Paul. It only lasted a few years. And 
Millicent Patrick has gone through many a name change. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and this was like her first one. So at first she called herself Mill Fitzpatrick, like mm-hmm. after they got married. And then after the divorce, she called herself Mill Patrick mm-hmm. just because she liked the way it sounded. Mm hmm. So at this time, she never went by Mildred again. And up until, you know, up until and through the time that she was working at Disney, she was going by Mildred Rossi. Mm-hmm. So this is part of the reason why in the book, like, Mallory had such a hard time yeah. tracking down <laughs> things about her because she was constantly calling herself different names. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> really, really reinventing herself, which I like. I really love it. I do, too. I would change my name. Absolutely. But I, I want to be Vivian so bad in my fucking life, <laughs> and I can't do it. I I don't know what other name I would go by. Oh. I like I a like V-name. Mauve. Oh, I like Mauve, We too. talked about that that mm-hmm. one time. Mm-hmm. Mauve's a nice name, but I don't feel like I look like a Mauve. But it's a mod. Oh. Mauve is a color. Mauve is a color. <laughs> Jenny, as per usual, is correcting me and embarrassing me because I'm a big dummy. I meant mod. Look. <laughs> Not <laughs> mauve. <laughs> so that's Look, why I can't get a name change because I don't know Dusty Rose color, goddammit. <laughs> that's going to be my stage name. Dusty Rose. Dusty. Oh, I like that. <laughs> you know what my stage name is? Ruby Riot. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Dusty Rose and Ruby Riot. Ooh. <laughs> Take the stage. Take the stage. Neither well, of them can sing, but they're fun. We can lip sync. <laughs> I'm a good lip syncer. I can throw my body to the beat. Yeah, you can. <laughs> okay, where am I? I meant oh. dance. <laughs> I can throw my body to the beat, aka I can dance. Dance. <laughs> Anyways. I can't deal. I don't know what's going on. Go ahead. I'm so hot right now. <laughs> okay. Where am I? Okay. Name, Name changes. changes. Uh, eventually, she... <laughs> stay out of my brain. She eventually decided to call herself Millicent because she loved William Hurst's wife. Okay. And thought she was oh, a delight. Okay. She was like, Mill, Millicent. Ooh, I like that. That sounds nice. And also, I like it a lot. Yeah. So, also, for a while, she convinced people that she was an Italian baroness. <laughs> this one was a con artist. Um, but she's she was like, oh, well, yes, I was born into this, but I've given all that up to pursue my dream of creativity. <laughs> so. I like her. I do. <laughs> she's so great. She's gorgeous. She's living her best life. She's. Look, she's changing like, names, she's changing like, profession. Nobody is gonna fucking know if I'm a baroness <laughs> or not. There's no Google. Okay, oh, sweet baby Jesus, I'm so hot. So it's around 1947 now. Mm-hmm. After a long day, day of smiling and standing around in high heels, uh, she had been at a trade show yeah. all day. A producer named William Hawks spotted her waiting for the bus. And approached her and was like, you know, gorgeous, I want to put you in the movies. Because <laughs> it's the 40s and everybody talks like yeah. this. <laughs> so that that was her first introduction to acting. Like, he mm-hmm. act, he wasn't a fucking creep about it. Or maybe he was. Probably. But also, 
she actually did get like jobs from it. Yeah. And started as a background actress. Mm-hmm. She was often cast as a beautiful something. Mm-hmm. Barmaid, jungle woman, peasant, Everything. all of the above. Yeah. Yeah. So while she's on set, she would sketch people because background work is dull AF. <laughs> you sit around for a real long time. Mm-hmm. You maybe are on camera for 15 minutes mm-hmm. as they're doing shots. And then you sit around a lot, a long time more. Yeah. So she would sit and sketch people. Mm-hmm. Like, because they're sitting, you know, in the makeup chair, whatever. So this is where she was. She's in the makeup chair. And this is where she first encounters the man who was both a blessing and a curse in her life. Mm. This man's name is Bud Westmore. Bud. And he's a huge dick. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just want us to talk about a woman who's famous and doing things, who has a nice, supportive husband. Yeah. Because that... Have we had anybody? <laughs> oh, no, no. This isn't her husband. Okay. This is her boss. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, I just... Let me preface this by saying... She gets so mad. <laughs> Julia Child's husband. Oh, yeah. He was a fucking gem. Julia Child's husband yeah. is what Danny just pointed out. Yeah. Again, proving me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> she is shutting your shit down left Everything. and right today. Okay. So, I would like to preface this by saying... Bud Westmore mm-hmm. is part of a whole fucking slew of Westmores. The Westmore family were the first people to create a hair and makeup department within movie studios. Mm. His great-grandfather, or maybe his grandfather, started out as a wig maker and made curls mm-hmm. he this is a fun anecdote this westmore i don't remember his first name made curls mm-hmm. for mary pickford who was an actress in silent films mm-hmm. okay so she paid 50 dollars per each curl to the to like oh my god put in her hair right which is equal to wait for it six hundred and fifty dollars in like 2019 money so she's paying oh my god the the equivalent 650 dollars per curl to pin into her hair meanwhile this asshole is getting this beautiful hair uh-huh from the sex workers at a brothel's called big Susie's. so i mean all of this comes down to after after Mary Pickford got so famous for how gorgeous she was, mm-hmm. they then he did the same thing for Shirley Temple. Those are not her real curls. Oh my god. Those are curls from the head of a sex worker from a brothel called Big Susan. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. So this is it's a whole How much did he pay the sex workers for their hair? No, he traded. So he would put makeup on them and have beautiful faces to practice on. And then cut their hair? And then he, then they would swapsies, I guess. He'd be like, you need a haircut, girl? Mm-hmm. I got you. 
Anyway, long story short, the Westmores have been in Hollywood for fucking ever since the birth of films. Yeah. So Bud is is in a long line of men mm-hmm. who are working in-, in the makeup and hair industry who happen to be assholes. Bud Westmore did some real shady shit mm-hmm. to get his position. Historically speaking, yeah. the Westmores have done some maybe shady shit mm-hmm. and were not great. Mm-hmm. Can't speak for them now. I'm sure they're lovely. <laughs> anyway. Is that good? <laughs> so, Bud Westmore did some shady shit mm-hmm. to secure his job at Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. Okay? He is the head of the makeup department. Which means that he is he's delegating He's overseeing. He is not creating mm-hmm. these looks. He's mm-hmm. not applying them mm-hmm. to anyone's faces. However, until they started giving fucking actual credit to makeup artists and mm-hmm. sculptors, et cetera, et cetera, it's been Bud Westmore or Jack Pierce or whomever the department head, mm. it's their name. In the credits. Yeah. Not... Not the people Not the it. underlings who are actually doing any of the creative work. So, that being said, he had this real fun habit of, like, when they were designing things and doing makeup, he would pop into a picture and be like, ta-da! <laughs> so it looked like... It looked like he was doing He was things. literally involved in every aspect. He wasn't. That's bullshit. Okay. So... He hired, he, he, he was in the makeup room, saw Millicent working on a sketch, and was like, wow, this is really incredible. Hired her for the makeup department. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, this made her the first woman ever to work in a special effects makeup department. Which oh, is wow. fucking cool as <laughs> shit. Which also means that her validity mm-hmm. is questioned all the yeah. fucking time. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh, gross. <laughs> okay. So, also at this time, she had, because she had, she was married to Paul, got divorced. Mm-hmm. She's single. But then she was, got married to a man named Sid Beaumont. Mm-hmm. And so, she's got this wonderful, loving, fantastic husband mm-hmm. who doesn't work in Hollywood at all. Hmm. But also, he was great. They were very happy together. <laughs> She's got her dream job. Everything is going well. So it's 1952. Mm-hmm. Universal Studios is working on developing a film about some scientists who travel to South America after the fossil of a weird webbed hand was mm-hmm. found. Only to go down there and capture an amphibious fish man. Mm-hmm. Long story short, because I could literally talk about this all day. <laughs> After all these discussions and talking about budget, how are we going to do this? Blah, 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 blah. Millicent is given the task to design what would ultimately called be called the creature from the Black Lagoon. She designed it? She designed it. So, after talking about 
Okay, he kind of looks like this, but maybe he kind of looks like this. She did a whole bunch of research Mm -hmm. and looked at animals from the Devonian period, Mm -hmm. which is when, in the movie, is said that this creature is from. Yeah. Right? So she did all this research, and after several iterations, the creature from the Black Lagoon was created. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) She... But again, because Bud Westmore likes to fucking be the fucking center of attention for everything. Uh Uh-huh. Constantly is poo-pooing her ideas and her sketches. Uh, Of course. And was like, eh, it's okay. Anyway. (laughs) I, look, I, pages. I could write pages about this. (laughs) So she designs it. They say, yes, this is gorgeous. This is perfect. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Then it goes to her art, Mm -hmm. her fucking sketches of what this creature looks like, goes to a man named Chris Mueller, who took what she had created and began the sculpting process. Mm -hmm. And this is when the actual, like, life cast is done. Sculpting is done. Molding. Yeah. The suit was made entirely out of foam latex, so it floated. So they had to, like, sew, like, lead, like, lead pieces into the suit to keep him underwater. Yeah. Also, it's crazy because two different men had to wear the same suit, but there were, like, mm, eight inches height difference. (laughs) So in the water, he's a little bit smaller, and when he's on (laughs) land, he's got, like, one more, like, scale on his chest because that actor was a lot taller. So that's a fun fact. I like it's that. a very fun fact. There's so many fun facts in this book. I can't tell you how good it is. So the creature from the back mm-hmm. is the last of the classic universal movie monsters. Yeah. Preceding this is like Dracula, Wolfman, Frankenstein, the mummy, etc. Mm-hmm. The whole thing. It's stunning. It just is so beautiful, and to watch it, and the way this suit moves underwater, it, everything is beautiful. It was shot in black and white, but also in 3D. Oh. Because Technicolor was very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but also, black and white is great, mm-hmm. because you don't have to... Yeah. You, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Color-wise, Technicolor was a little dicey. Mm-hmm. They were like, if it's in black and white... It leaves a little to the imagination. Yeah. Instead of being like, oh, it's a big green man. Yeah. So, the movie wraps. Mm -hmm. She has worked not only behind the scenes, designing the fucking creature. Mm -hmm. She has watched the whole production of this creature suit being made, and she she helped paint it Mm -hmm. and came up with the color scheme for it. The whole fucking kit and caboodle. Yeah. She's on set to do touch-ups. But, again, people were like, oh, she was on set because she was someone's girlfriend. It's like, no, nobody knew that a woman created this creature. Yeah. So they just assumed that she was there for no other reason. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So much (laughs) sexism and just, like, really? Yeah. That's the only thing she's good for is to stand around and look pretty? Yeah. I can't deal. I feel like I've been talking for so long. I'm sorry. So... The movie has finished mm-hmm. filming. Yes. Now it's going into post-production. Mm-hmm. Millicent is then given the assignment to design 
the creature for <laughs> the newest science fiction film, This Island Earth. Okay. Which is so good. It's one of my favorite classic science fiction movies. Mm-hmm. It's it's very good. So she also created the it's called the Metaluna Mutant. Mm-hmm. So she also designed that creature, but again, was never given credit for it. Yeah. <sighs> so then there's all this buzz. The movie's over. They've done screenings for it. Mm-hmm. Everybody is like, okay, so the movie started out at 79 minutes. Mm-hmm. They did the screenings to see what people thought of it and what needed to be changed. It stayed at 79 minutes. Wow. Nothing was... A perfect movie. It was perfect. People fucking loved it. And their favorite character overwhelmingly was the creature. Yeah. He's fun. I like him. <laughs> Danny just showed Keeks uh, a picture of the Metaluna mutant, which I also <laughs> will post because it's great. So marketing. Marketing yeah. department is like, there's a buzz. People yeah. are going to love this movie. What do we do? There's all these different crazy ideas. But essentially what they have decided to do is send Millicent because... She's talented. Mm-hmm. She's made this amazing monster. Mm-hmm. But also she's gorgeous. Yeah. So why not, you know, use that to our advantage? So they're going to send her out on a press tour. This tour is going to be called The Woman Who Created the Creature. No, mm-hmm. The Woman Who Created the Monster. Mm-hmm. And Bud Westmore. Didn't like it. Was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> she can't say that she created it. Yeah. She can't take any credit for that. So they changed it to the woman who lives with the monsters. Okay. So takes away any kind of, I don't know. Credit. Credit. (laughs) Yeah. To contributing to this fucking monster, i.e. making it. Yeah. But like relegated her to just like being this weird motherly character who lives with these monsters and cares for them and blah, 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 blah. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of bullshit. But this press tour is incredible. She goes, I think it was like five or six weeks. Mm-hmm. And she t- she did interviews with over 40 different publications and news and all this good stuff. And never once, never once in any of these things did she take credit mm-hmm. or say that she created the monster. Because she probably wasn't allowed to. She wasn't allowed to. Yeah. However, she had no control over what people were printing or saying about her. And so Bud Westmore got his fucking panties in a twist and was like following all of these interviews and would be like, they said that she's the creator. They said this and that and the other thing. (laughs) So he's... they're telling the truth. They're exactly, <laughs> exactly. They're fuck. They speak the truth, and I can't fucking deal with it mm-hmm. because I need to have all the attention. Yeah. So he loses it. He yeah. causes a big stink because he's a man. Mm-hmm. Because he's a Westmore, mm-hmm. and because of that name, Universal is like, well, I guess we gotta we- keep him. Ugh. So what do we do? So, upon returning from this press tour, mm-hmm. she was fired. Of course. Fantastic. Good. Fan- yeah. <laughs> this is exactly where I wanted the story to go. 
I know. I know. So she's living the high life. She went on these tours. She took recreations of all the monsters, like Mm -hmm. heads, and just inspired so many women. Mm -hmm. People in general, but specifically women. Like, later, she would get letters that were like, when I saw this movie, you know, and you came through and were showing this, I was so inspired by you, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But she was, because of Bud Westmore, she was just erased. Aww. Yeah. That's really sad. It's really sad. <laughs> and that's why this book is so fucking good, uh-huh. because Mallory went and combed through mm-hmm. these film archives and found her remaining family members mm-hmm. and got all this information because she was just erased. Yeah. Because of someone's fucking ego. Yuck. Okay, so things are real up, and then they're real down. He's pissed, she gets fired, and then in 1954, mm-hmm. her beautiful, wonderful husband died. Yeah. So Sid died. So everything went super high. It burned very bright and very fast, but... It, and then it was over, and it was very sad. Mm-hmm. So at this point... Millicent is leaning heavily on her friends and on her work and on her drawing. So after she left Universal, she continued to act through the mid-60s and eventually turned her attention to doing volunteer and fundraising events. Mm. So she had a very long... I'm sorry, I'm trying to wrap this up because she... She did a lot of acting. She continued Mm -hmm. to do some modeling. Continued to draw. Her home was covered in photos of her with her friends and with celebrities. But also, like, picture, like, paintings and drawings of her friends and all these things. Mm -hmm. It was, it's just incredible. She had a very, I think she had a very fulfilling life. Mm -hmm. Even though her right at the peak of her happiness. Yeah. Things kind of crashed and burned. Mm-hmm. She seemingly led a very long, happy life after that. So she's she threw parties. She loved being around people. She had a really long, like, on-again, off-again relationship with the man and eventually married and then divorced and then I think married again. The man who was the Lone Ranger... Oh. Like, on the radio. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot to write... uh, Lee Trent. Lee Trent. Mm -hmm. So, again, another name change. She went by Millicent Trent. Oh. And then. And then, yeah. So, anyway. Like I said, she spent all of her time with friends, throwing parties, making art, and designing her own clothes. Mm -hmm. She loved to wear big, damn near theatrical ensembles. Which I love. That's I love that. Um, <laughs> she was very rarely seen without lipstick or high heels. Just glam. Perfect. 100p, 24, 24 hours a day. Yeah. I wish that could be me. <sighs> me too. But that's just not yeah. how things go. <laughs> it's not. I don't have the time or the fucking patience to do it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Okay. So, wrapping it up. Millicent passed away from, I believe it was pneumonia, mm. on February 24th, 1998. She was 82 years old. Oh, wow. 
Long life. Very long life. Lots of crazy, crazy up and downs. But all of that being said, and I'm sorry, I kind of, I, there was a lot of buildup, mm-hmm. but truly, like, after, after this peak, mm-hmm. peak happiness, things were much quieter. Yeah. You know? Things changed. Things, things changed very much. And so, if you have, to our listeners, if you have any interest at all in movie making or mm-hmm. monsters or any of these things, the lady from the Black Lagoon, I cannot tell you how good this book is. Mallory O'Meara really puts just so much of herself into this book and can identify with things mm-hmm. that Millicent went through and it's just such it's just so good oh. <sighs> that was really cool I feel like I can breathe for a second <laughs> I, I, I feel I didn't they're, sorry that wasn't funny at all guys <laughs> <laughs> no it was really interesting I liked that a lot thank you I've been mm. working on that one for like a month oh wow yeah <laughs> yeah because I started listening to it the end of September, the oh. first time around. Yeah. And continually since. <laughs> nice. She's a real peach. She's real peach. She's a real gem. And it's just such a shame that for so long, nobody believed mm-hmm. that, that she did it. That she did it or that she had any hand in it. And now it's like, nope. It's been fucking proven. Like, <laughs> we got the deets. And now we're spreading the truth. Yeah, we are. <laughs> and uh, everybody at home, tell three people about it. Tell three people about it, please. Because it's fucking, it's fascinating. And she deserves as much, as much credit yeah. as we can give her. Definitely. So. That was cool. All right, everyone. Okay. That's all we got. That was a long one, I think. Yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You tell us. You can uh, <laughs> rate review. You can, you can rate review and subscribe mm-hmm. wherever you're listening. Yes. What yeah. else can they do, Keeks? They can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at that Broad Scott Moxie mm-hmm. or on Twitter at Broad Scott Moxie. That's right. Or if you have some feedback, if you love that story, if you have stories to share with us, you can email us. We are at thatbroadsgotmoxie at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We sure would. All right, everyone. Okay. That's it. That's all we got. Yep. Bye. Bye. Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete. Produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick into the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.